Hey, I'm JR from the 18 Over Par with Mike and JR podcast, exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies, where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world, and beer. Lots of beer. 18 Over Par is proudly presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Pulling up to the clubhouse in a ride that looks half as good as your golf attire just isn't cutting it. It's time to improve your ride and your drive. You can purchase a new or used vehicle from Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park and the former Manitoba Amateur Champ will take you for a round at Breezy Bend. So now pulling up to the clubhouse won't be so damn embarrassing and neither will your golf game. You can book your test drive today at winnipegdodge.com. Just ask for Jamie Wilkie. You can also check him out on episode two of the 18 Over Par podcast. He'll certainly be happy to see you. You can also find them on social media, so make sure you improve your ride and your drive, and the only place to do that, the new Winnipeg Dodge. They're different. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. It's the 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. You suck, you duckass. Welcome to 18 Over Par with Mike and JR, proudly driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. I'm JR, he's Mike, and today we're joined by John Gordon. John has covered golf in Canada for more than 35 years and is the author of nine books, including four volumes of The Great Golf Courses of Canada. He has been the managing editor of Score Golf Magazine, the golf columnist for the Toronto Sun and National Post, and the golf analyst for Sportsnet. He is a member of the Ontario Golf Hall of Fame and an honorary lifetime member of the Golf Journalists Association of Canada. Super excited to bring in our latest guest, uh, John Gordon. He joins us from, well, actually, whereabouts do you join us from? From Midland, Ontario, about 150 kilometers north of Toronto on the shore of Lake Huron. Oh, wow. That must mm. be nice. It is glorious. Yeah, I can just imagine, and it's probably glorious, just like the Jeep Wagoneer, which you can find at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. Go check them out, as well as former Manitoba amateur champ Jamie Wilkie. And not only will you have better wheels, well, you'll also get to go for a round with Wilkie at Breezy Bend. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. And we also want to give a shout-out to the Nick and Nikki group of DQs. They're a huge community sponsor of golf uh, in and around uh, the city of Winnipeg here. You can check them out at their four locations, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park and the Food Court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. You can follow them on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. All right, so you are a connoisseur of golf, and I'm assuming you actually play the game. So when did you get into golf? I got into golf. Um, I was a reporter and editor with the Canadian Press Wire Service. Um, and I met a young lady, and her dad played golf, and he got me into it uh, many years ago. And uh, one thing led to another, and then... Uh, I decided that uh, you know it might be uh, the hours might be better working for a, a magazine called Score Golf uh, than working shifts and traveling around with Canadian Press. So uh, 
yeah, so I became the managing editor of uh, a score golf, uh, following my good friend Lauren Rubenstein back in the late 1980s. And uh, I mean, because you know the whole the whole chain started there. Um, I was recruited by <clears throat> excuse me, um, what is now known as Golf Canada, then the the Royal Canadian Golf Association to start their uh, communications department, member services department, um, and Golf Canada magazine in the in the mid or early to mid 1990s, and that's actually when I first had my uh, my first taste of uh, of golf in Manitoba when I was uh, doing some uh, some seminars, some education seminars for golf clubs in Manitoba and across the country, and after that, uh, went back to freelance writing. I uh, was a golf columnist for the Toronto Sun, the National Post, and spent uh, a number of years as the online and on-air uh, golf analyst for uh, for Sportsnet. Mm, did you actually play any golf when you were here? <laughs> I did, as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, well, some would call it golf. Uh, I actually <laughs> used to be able to play a little bit. Um but yeah, I think it was Bernard Wah, who now is, I think, the general manager at a Morningstar on, on uh, Vancouver Island, was running or overseeing the municipal golf courses in in Winnipeg, mm. um, and he toured me around uh, when I was out there doing the seminars, um, and you know, I, you know, I'm a country music guy, and I always think of. Uh, you know, there's a there's a country music song about the state that says, you know, they're flyover state, and, and and I always think of and my one of my my first newspaper job was in Atticoke, which is between Winnipeg and Thunder Bay, um, and I always think of Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and part of Alberta as those flyover provinces, and it's that's to the to the detriment of people who don't get to play golf in Manitoba, they think of Manitoba and Saskatchewan as, you know, just kind of, um, uh, you know, a second, not worth a second thought. And it's unfortunate because there's some, there's some great topography, there's some great golf courses and, uh, and some great golf experiences. A good friend of mine, Tim Campbell, who wrote, uh, who wrote for the Winnipeg Free Press, uh, now I think he's, gone to the dark side and is writing strictly hockey now, but uh, you know, he, uh, I know it's, uh, it's sad to say, but, uh, but yeah, he always, you know, he, he always, he talked about Breezy Bend and, uh, and I'm going to say this wrong, I'm sure Pine Ridge. That's correct. Uh, and, uh, and just kept swearing and I saw them, but I didn't play them. Um, and I just thought that, uh, you know, it's too bad because, People seem to think that golf in Canada, and I've written, well, four volumes of the Great Golf Courses of Canada. Um, people seem to think that all the golf is concentrated just in that, you know, that kind of sliver of, of the country uh, along the uh, along the U.S. border, and that's the 49th parallel. And I think that's wrong. There's uh, there's some great uh, golf courses that. Uh, that go unsung, and that's, I, I have to say, I, I, even though when I was with SCORE, I started the, the course rankings 
program there. Um, and I was a golf digest ranker for many years. Um, I, I despise golf course rankings because I think it's, as I said in the intro to one of my books, it's like, you know, it's like choosing your, you know, your spouse, you know, some people like <laughs> brunettes, blondes, uh, redheads, uh, tall, short, whatever. To me, it's, it's always been about what's the best experience, you know, what is your, what is your uh, subjective uh, favorite? And I just think that uh, there's some great golf courses in the, in the prairies that, uh, that have never been, never been shared with the rest of the country. Yeah, so how did that kind of start? Did they just kind of say, look, John, you're going to do this for us? What, what the, uh, the rankings? The rankings, yeah. No, it was, uh, it, I mean, it was just, um, it was something that Golf Digest and Golf uh, Magazine had been doing, um, and we needed it to kind of sell magazines. Uh, so we had, back in the day, before the internet, believe it or not, uh, we had a pretty good panel of people who um, who had played a number of golf courses, but back in that time, as it is today, not enough people got to see enough golf courses to rank them. So, you know, you can talk about St. Charles or, you know, Breezy Bend or Pine Ridge or whatever you want to talk about. Um People just never got out to the prairies. So those golf courses, in my mind, were never ranked high enough. Um, I always thought that, you know, to, with golf experience more than the, you know, when I was doing the Golf Digest uh, rankings, it was more about, uh, you know, different ra- uh, different rank um, rationales like, you know, shot values and recovery values and, and that type of thing. And to me, I've written a lot about uh, golf course architecture over the years. To me, a lot of the people who were on those panels didn't know a thing about golf course architecture. They were just, you know, they might have been four or five handicapped, but uh, but they knew how to play the game, but they didn't know how to evaluate golf courses. Mm, that's interesting because we uh, have had a, a golf architect uh, on uh, previously on, on one of our episodes, uh, Tyler Kearns here, a local golf architect, and he kind of echoed the, the same thing there. And, and Mike, he has uh, a coffee table uh, book of yours. And uh, how has the perusing been through that, Mike? Uh, the perusing has been great, JR. Uh, as John mentioned, there are four volumes, and this one looks like it was from 1991. So I'm not sure which volume that You got is, the first one. You, you have the, the collector's edition. First- <laughs> the first edition. Yeah, I, I, I'll have to try and find the other ones. But uh, I was happy no, no, to see no, no. that. No, that, that was the best. That was the first of the best. It is beautiful, and I was happy to see that uh, at least one Manitoba course did make it into the book of uh, the great golf courses of Canada, and, and that would be St. Charles, uh, which is to be expected, as uh, JNR, JR and I played there earlier this year, and it was uh, immaculate and beautiful. Um and then, you know, all the other courses from uh, BC and many out east. Uh, and so now I now my bucket list has grown by uh, 40 courses. Well, the, the history of St. Charles is, 
you know, I think is put to the ranks of among the best in Canada, in my opinion. Um, there's a, you know, it's very storied and, uh, you know, the fact that uh, George Newton spent some time there um, makes it even spe- even more special for me because uh, I got to know George a little bit uh, back in the day before his untimely passing uh, due to cancer. And, uh, you know, to me, any anything that has George Newton's uh, um, thumbprint on it is a pretty special golf course. Yeah, and you yeah, also think and- of some of the other architects there with... Uh- Mr. Ross, Dr. Ross, and um, Alistair McKenzie. Mr. McKenzie. Yeah, so that's oh, yeah. a, a pretty so impressive that, group. That, yeah, and uh, that makes it almost, uh, you know, kind of a, a very unique layout because of the, the subprint of, uh, of both Ross and, and McKenzie on that golf course. And, you know, you can you can say what you want about the authenticity of uh, of uh, Ross um, actually being there because back in the day when everybody was traveling by train and um, the fact that I think he lays claim to like six hundred golf courses or something, which is <laughs> you know physically impossible unless, unless he had invented a time machine or something. Yeah, that's uh, a fast train. That's a fast yeah, train but, he had. But but you know the fact that uh, I mean not all, not all his drawings were done by him, um, but the fact that they were just and this is pre you know drones and CAD CAM and all that stuff that the that the architects use now. The fact that they would just ship off a top map to him, um, he'd do a routing. Um, that's pretty amazing. Just the fact that that you know he act, that golf course actually has the. Uh, at least that you know that that faint claim to fame that uh, that Alistair McKenzie uh, and Donald Roth have their uh, have their you know have touched it. To me, that's uh, that's pretty special. It may be unique in Canada. Now I'm thinking about it, but uh, that Roth and McKenzie both touched that property in one way or another. Yeah, actually, if you think about it, there's there's probably not a place. Maybe it's the only one in the world. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Unless if he, unless if yeah, somehow he uh, he did time travel to the future or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very impressive to play, and it was lovely. It was very well, uh, well kept. Especially this uh, summer, we've been in a drought, although we've been slammed with rain now the past uh, f- few mm-hmm. days here, which has, has really greened things up. But for the most part, everything was 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 pretty brown for uh, this golf season, uh, anyways. But hopefully, we'll get to a nice long. Uh, you know, it'll stay warm at least for a little bit longer here so we can uh, get out and, and play some more. Um, and, and kind of touching on to, you know, you actually getting it and writing books, is that just a, an easy way, an easy segue from journalism was to get into the books? Um, yeah, like I said, I was, uh, that was my background was in journalism. And uh, when we decided to get married and like I said, the hours and the, and the, the travel with Canadian press didn't work out all that well for, for a married man. <laughs> um, this job came up and I still remember the, you know, the little ad that was in the Globe and Mail in Toronto and it said, you know, they needed somebody to, uh, to as an editorial director for a small magazine company, knowledge of golf would be an asset. Well, 
I think when I got the job, the company was called CCMC, Canadian Controlled Media Corporation. Um, they had like 14 magazines, so I was looking after all of those as, as well as the, uh, the golf magazine. And it was at that time, I thought, and with all due respect to my friend Lauren Rubenstein, who was, like I said, my predecessor, um, it was like the country cousin of Golf Digest. You know, we had uh, Gary Wyron, who, <coughs> excuse me, is, uh, is, you know, one of the most respected uh, instructors in the world um, as their, their instruction editor, um, features by Jack Nicholas and so forth. But that was all stuff that Canadians could read in, in Golf Digest. And I will remind you that this was prior to the Internet. So mm-hmm. people couldn't go online and, you know, and, uh, and subscribe to stuff. So um, my suggestion was to make it all Canadian. So I, I said goodbye to Gary Wyron. I hired the late Ben Kern, who, uh, who I believe was the first Canadian ever to play the scholarship of the state um, and was the professional at the National Golf Club of Canada and later at uh, the Devil's Pulpit as our instruction editor, um, and made it all Canadian. So that's when we started the, uh, the rankings and so forth. And, you know, that carried on and it was, uh, it was to me, it turned that magazine around and, uh, you know, later on we, you know, I, I spearheaded the, uh, the first and to my knowledge, still the only, uh, Canadian golf summit, which brought together, um, the PGA of Canada and the RCGA, or the Golf Canada now, um, at a summit to discuss the state of the game. And then I moved on to, uh, you know, to Golf Canada. And uh, I, I guess the my, my impetus throughout the years, and I've been in the business since 1986, has always been to promote the game and you know I've seen the ups and downs I've seen the Tigers I've you know the the boom that came with Tiger I've seen the boom that came with Mike Wearswood and at the Masters in 2003 um, you know Brooke Henderson and the the um, excitement she caused when when she came on the scene especially among young women and now <clears throat> and it's you know, it's, it's a it's a bittersweet uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that COVID has caused such a increase in the participation in golf around the world because there were very few other recreational opportunities for uh, for people to get out and not only play by themselves but play with their kids, play with their families, and uh, you know the, the the challenge that presents to golf course operators um, is how do we maintain that surge in, in, in uh, participation. Did you have any questions about the, the book, Mike? 
Well, I did. I wanted to jump back to the score golf just on the ranking things because we're always, I, or I should say, I am always a little sour <laughs> that uh, not not any uh, Manitoba courses are are getting chosen. And and you know maybe a decade ago, St. Charles and Pine Ridge, and and maybe a few others were rounding out that top 100 courses in Canada, and. Uh, and I've been uh, spamming uh, the Score Golf Instagram account recently, <laughs> and uh, they did they did announce that Falcon Lake was number one on their uh, top value courses uh, in Canada, which was which was nice, and I attribute that to me spamming them. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I I wanted to. Uh, the question was, w- what criteria are these courses being judged on and how do we get more Manitoba courses on there? Is it just exposing them to these uh, rankers or do we got to get some better courses in Manitoba? No, no, I think uh, I think I think your uh, your first question or your first point is the best. Um, and I've been on all sides of that of that question. Like I said, I started the, uh, I started the, the ranking system of score for many years, uh, a course ranker with golf digest. And it's a, and now it, I despise the ranking system. It's <laughs> a way to generate, um, controversy to sell <laughs> magazines right. mm-hmm. to, to generate, discussions like we're having now um and the problem is that and um between 2000 <coughs> excuse me between 2008 and 2014 i was the director of communications for club Link, which owns about 50 golf courses in in ontario quebec and florida so i would get calls all the time from golf i'm going to put i'm i'm I've got the air quotes going now from course <laughs> rankers um, who wanted to play. And we, our golf courses at Club Link included um, Glen Abbey, uh, Glen Cairn, um, Greystone, you know, some really, really mm-hmm. good golf courses. Yep. They, they wanted to play those golf courses every year and they wanted to play them for free. Mm-hmm. So, so the accessibility for golf courses in the greater Toronto area, you know, everybody wanted to play Glen Abbey, of course. Yeah, makes sense. So, and I love Glen Abbey. I, I probably played Glen Abbey, <coughs> excuse me, when I, you know, between working for Golf Canada and working for Club Link. And <laughs> I mean, your listeners are going to hate this. I probably played Glen Abbey a hundred times. Ooh. So, I know. Um, Thanks. And, and yeah. I'm not apologetic for that. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, and it's a, it's a far better golf course than a lot of people would lead you to believe. Um, but the accessibility is the problem, right? So if, if <coughs> excuse me, if, if, if score would weight their, um, rankings according to the number of rankers in each province. I think there's a lot of go- golf courses in Manitoba that would uh, 
that would be on that list. Good. Well, we'll take that as a consolation prize. <laughs> but, yeah, and you know what? We, we get to play them. That's the that's the enjoyable part, though. Is, is for us is at least you know we're we're, we're born and raised here and uh, uh, on the prairies, and, and we get to play them all the time, which is fantastic. So it's just kind of like, oh, you know, it'd be great if other people could come and enjoy what we get to enjoy on a regular basis. I know, and you know what? I I, uh, I understand there's a little bit of a inferiority complex if you're not, you know, the score rankings come out and, oh, well, you know, we're not even on the list. That doesn't mean the golf courses are inferior. Um, mm-hmm. To me, that just means that the the system sucks. <laughs> and, you know, I have, I mean, I, I've almost been, despite the fact that I'm, I'm one of the four or five managing editors in the history of the magazine since, uh, since the, <coughs> excuse me, since it was, it was founded, I'm almost blackballed from writing from that magazine because I have said that out loud, that mm. their ranking system is, uh, it's flawed. And it's uh, it's just it's wrong that we would, you know. There's there's a couple of things when you're, and you guys know it. You play a lot of golf. When you like, you want to pay seven hundred dollars to play St. Andrews or or Pebble Beach or you know name another one that uh, you know is on your bucket list. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but it, it it comes down to the value proposition and the. Experience. Like when you walk off that golf course, I don't care if you pay 70 bucks or you pay 700 bucks. If you walk off and you got a smile on your face and the, you know, it was the best burger you ever had and you, you know, you didn't lose a dozen golf balls. Um, <laughs> does that, mm-hmm. like, is that, is that a worthwhile experience? Do you, do you tell your friends about that? Then that to me is what, uh, what makes a good golf course. Is there a way to change kind of, kind of the system or is it just kind of, Hey, if it bleeds, it leads. We got to sell this thing. Sorry, I missed the question. Oh, I was just say, is there a way to, to kind of change it, or is it just one of those no. where, yeah, no, okay. No, this is this okay. is uh, it's a self it's a self perpetuating situation because we're talking about it, right? Yep. So yeah. So if you know if if you guys are sitting in Winnipeg or you know wherever you're in Manitoba and you're going, you know, we're thrilled that we get to play. Breezy Bend or Pine Ridge or St. Charles or, you know, any, any number of great golf courses in your province or, you know, or somebody's listening in Saskatchewan or, you know, New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. And I've been literally from Newfoundland to Vancouver Island playing golf courses. And I go, you know what? This was a great golf experience. It's, was it better than Glen Abbey? Was it better than Pebble Beach or Royal County Down or, St. Andrews, all of which I played. Um, <laughs> yes, yes or no? I don't know. When you when you walk up, like there's, you know, the the golf courses on Cape Breton, you know, Cabot Links, Cabot Cliffs, Highlands Links. I went out, <clears throat> and you you have my first book, right? Yes, so I, I went out. <clears throat> so I went out in 1989 to uh, just about unheard of golf course, Highlands Links. <clears throat> on the tip of, uh, of Cape Breton Island. I roll up, it's pouring rain. The, the, there wasn't even a clubhouse. It was a trailer with a, with a pot-bellied stove. 
um, <laughs> heating it up and you know no no uh, no cart paths and the guy said well you know I actually worked on this when I was a teenager um, Stanley Thompson designed it Jeff Cornish was his was his uh, project manager takes me on this old Volvo station wagon and we're rolling up the fairways we played the next day um, and I thought wow this is this is an astounding golf course that was in uh, it was in a, a federal park same same it was part of the same um, contract that Stanley Thompson had to build Jasper Park Lodge um, St. George's um, Banff and I just thought this is an unbelievable golf course and sure enough many years later it's, uh, it was number one in Canada but mm-hmm. had anyone heard of it? No. Was it ranked highly? No. Because because it was on the tip of Cape Breton Island, so you know, to me, it's it's uh, exposure is is terrific. Does it make it a better golf course? Not necessarily. No, and uh, and if you were, if I guess maybe if uh, if one of our courses did happen to let's say make the top fifty, that would mean that we're going to be have to we're going to have to pay a lot more to play the course. Right. So we we might not like well. that. And I'm going to reference back to I was reading today. It was a an article called it was titled "Strangling the Goose That Laid Golf's Golden Eggs." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically referring to the, I, 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 I interpret it as basically referring it to the casual golfer that's brought so much wealth to the game. It won't be around much longer if the clubs and courses keep increases, increasing prices uh, that aren't conducive to our budgets. And uh, not a lot of green fees are over $100 in Manitoba. And uh, there's probably not a lot under $100 in maybe that greater Toronto area. Yeah, and this is this is um, you know there's the old line: those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. Um, you know, there was a time in the early 2000s when the National Golf Foundation, the state, said we have to you know it was that tiger tigerish boom. Um, we have to build a golf course a day to keep up the demand, and of course, then they started to plow golf courses under. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the challenge to Excuse me. The challenge to golf course operators is, excuse me, not how to um, uh, capitalize on the current boom, but how to maintain that going forward. How to encourage family golf. How to encourage uh, junior golfers. How to encourage minority golf. How to encourage. female golfers, how to make them feel more welcome. But golf has failed at that spectacularly uh, over the years. Um, and that's, that, that falls on the shoulders of golf course operators because they tend okay. to take the short-term view versus the long-term view. So um, I know, you know, Golf Manitoba, Golf Canada, um, they have all sorts of programs that are available. Um, and there's great programs 
available through the NGC National Golf Course Owners Association of Canada, um, the National uh, Golf Foundation in the states. Whether or not, I think I think a lot of the long term health of the of the the industry is. It's a pivotal time for uh, for golf course operators now to, uh, you know, to put their hands on the uh, on the steering wheel and, and take this this game to the next stage. Because, like I said, I've seen I've seen, you know, every like anything in in life, the game of golf is cyclical. So you can look back, you know, the 1920s was a was a boom, and then they plowed golf courses under and then I kind of went away during the war years and in the 60s Robert Trent Jones um, you know that era golf boomed again and then they plowed golf courses under and then then in the 90s the same thing so in order to maintain the stable industry and it's a it's a it's a very significant uh, uh, economic um contribution to uh, to our economy um, I think that the golf course operators have to you know put their hands on the steer, steering wheel and say we're going to encourage kids and we're going to encourage families and and keep this thing going because now that you know hopefully covid is um, is starting to you know fade away um, and other recreational opportunities are are available People aren't going to have; they're going to have other options other than golf to, uh, you know, to do. Yeah, well, it's an interesting point because we had uh, Glenn Mills, who is a PGA of Canada. He's the director of golf uh, at a at a Cinnaboyne Golf Club, which Mike and I are very familiar with. And I, I worked there for uh, almost a decade as as a junior and into my uh, teenage years. Uh, and he was mentioning that, yeah, a lot of it was just, you know, try and break even for the year when there wasn't really any thinking of down the road of just on some of the costs, right? Like even replacing a green, let alone trying to encourage people to continue on with the game. So is that something that maybe you are starting to see now or is it still kind of the, the status quo where they're just going to rake it in while they can and then hopefully that they can break even uh, when, when golf maybe has a little downturn in popularity? Well, if if they take that short-term view, they, they're they doomed. Um, I think that... Uh, you know the opportunity exists to make it. You know there was the old there was the old phrase country club, right? So yep. back in the day they had tennis courts and they had a swimming pool and it was you know it was the only place to uh, to get a decent meal in town, right? So uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know over the years restaurants came along that gave you you know options to to do something and. So all of a sudden, the, the golf and country club wasn't the only place to, uh, to get a decent meal in a fancy setting. The same thing is happening recreationally, where you know you had golf, you maybe had curling, um, but as far as that, maybe a couple of tennis courts. Now there's so many different opportunities to uh, to participate in sports. You know, the you know kids play baseball, they play soccer they you know they have all sorts of uh, different things to do you have camping i know you know in in manitoba there's a fantastic it's like in my neck of the woods uh you know up here on lake huron you know you've got you got great camping and boating and fishing and all of, like there's a i don't think 
golf has ever, I always said, somebody said, oh, it's a golf business. That's an oxymoron. <laughs> like a lot, of, a lot of people in golf don't think of it as a business. They think of it, you know, as, oh, you know, it's kind of that field of dreams thing where if we build it, they will come, but they won't. They will come when there's no other option. And that's what happened during COVID is you could be socially distant or physically distant. Um, and you could go out and take your kids and so forth because you couldn't play soccer. You couldn't camp. Our campgrounds here were closed. Um, so what else would you do? Now those options are opening up. And if, if golf doesn't smarten up, I think we're going to go into another, uh, another downswing in the cycle. Do you uh, still get to play golf regularly now? <laughs> well, uh, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> I'm, 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 at my advanced age, I'm, I'm waiting for a knee replacement in October. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm blessed because uh, we live in Midland. Uh, like I said, on the shore of uh, Georgian Bay, which they call the sixth great lake just a lobe of uh, yeah. of lake huron so we're five minutes to the golf course five minutes to the harbor and five minutes to skiing so wow yeah it's Ooh. uh it's, yeah i know it it's it's and the golf course i just actually I just uh i wrote the centennial publication for our golf course Midland golf and country club was the first nine was built or open in in 1919 and uh it's a you know the the second nine was added in the mid sixties. It's a very you know it's just a very traditional golf course. It was it was the, the original nine was designed by by Nickel Thompson, who was Stanley Thompson's older brother, um, and uh, for a time was in partnership with with his brother Stanley and with George Cumming, who uh, designed among others. Toronto, the original nine at Toronto Golf Club and Mississauga Golf and Country Club. So, you know, it's it's a it's a pretty cool golf course. You, uh, I hit a lot of two irons off the tees because it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm still one. I'm one of the few guys that still has a two iron in the stack. Um, no kidding. But, uh, <laughs> very uh, very narrow. You got to work the ball both ways, and you know, small greens. I think from the back, it's about sixty-two fifty. Um, you know, you take three steps from the green, you're on the next tee. So it's uh, to me, it's it's just uh, it's the way to play golf. I'm uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, you know golf courses that are built around uh, housing developments and so forth. I understand the rationale, um, but uh, but to me, old style golf where you can you know, sling a bag in your shoulder and uh, and get around in three hours. We often play. We we almost have the uh, the standing <clears throat> reservation for the first time on Sunday mornings. We have a little skins game that uh, a bunch of us play. If you're longer than three hours, you just get razzed out of the clubhouse when you show up. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a fun way to play golf, and to my way of thinking, the way golf should be played. Well, even mentioning a, a bit uh, you touched on, but with golf architecture, is there something in your golf or golfer's eye that you like about certain golf courses? Or for you, as you mentioned uh, numerous times now, is it really just the experience walking off the golf course and kind of saying, wow, that was fun? Or maybe it's a mix well, of both. Yeah. 
I th- yeah, I, I think you're 100% right there. Um, I think one leads to the other. I think um, I, who was it that said, it might have been Alistair McKenzie who said the golf course lays lightly on the land. Um, and if you play some of the really old golf courses, um, and St. Charles, you know, might be an example. Um, they didn't have the opportunity to move, you know, hundreds and thousands of, uh, of cubic yards of dirt because they were doing it all by, you know, horse-drawn contrivances mm-hmm. and, uh, and steam-driven steam shovels and so forth. Um, to me, it's, it's, it's like playing <clears throat> the old courses in Britain um, where you kind of took the contours of the land and, and said, oh, you know, this, this, is, this would be a nice green site. Where do we back this up to, you know, to a landing area and from the landing area back to the, back to the team ground? Um, that, to me, if it's not contrived, so, I mean, there are there are exceptions, and and uh, if you're playing like the West Lakes of North Berwick, or you're playing Preswick, or something like that, and you're standing up on the tee, and you go, okay, where the hell do I hit this? <laughs> where the hell is the fairway? You know. Um, so, but that's you know that was the. Um, that was a, a, a factor of, the, you know, that they couldn't level out or blow up rocks and, you know, and so forth. So to me, it's, yeah, it's the experience. It's the, uh, I know there's a lot made of, you know, during, and we're, now we're back to course rankings, which I <laughs> despise. Um, but, but shot values. So, you know, like at North, I believe it's the west length of North Ferris. There's a, you know, at the the peak somewhere down the fairway, there they move a white rock around. So what's your your line? You ask the starter, what's your uh, what's your line off the off the tee? So <laughs> aim at the right white rock. <laughs> <laughs> that would never fly today, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, when you walk off the golf course, you go, you know, wow, that was, you know, and North Ferris is another one where. Uh, there's a stone fence around one of the greens with a little walkway through. So if you knock up your shot against the, uh, against the, uh, against the, you know, the stone fence, well, it's an immovable obstruction. You, you know, you're screwed. So, um, you know, I've played on golf courses where I've hit a sheep. So, you know, um, but that's something that that's memorable to me, and and something again that makes the game of golf so special. Um, I played a lot of sports in my youth, um, you know, tennis, basketball, uh, football, and a football field, a football field, a tennis court, a tennis court, and but if you go, I'm going to play golf. They never say. You know, is it uh, is 110 yards by 60 yards? No, it's it's a it's a it's a playing ground unlike any other. So, uh, to me, that's one of the many things that makes golf um, unique in sports. 
Well, it certainly is. It is also unique on uh, how poorly uh, you can shoot sometimes. And Mike and I are well versed <laughs> in that uh, with, with, with 18 over uh, par, but uh, we're, we're trying well, to get I, better. I, I, I love the name of your podcast. It would be this is my kind of guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They're bogey golfers. That's right. That's right. John, John, do you do you have a handicap or or uh, what would be your index uh, right now or well, or in the past? Well, I well, I've been uh, I've been a single digit and competitive player, um, but like I said, I'm uh, I'm awaiting a knee replacement, so it's kind of uh, you know I was always a great match play player because you know it was uh you know you could take a triple and come back with a birdie and mm-hmm. uh, that was kind of my round today when uh, i was playing the men's night so uh, yeah i mean it's uh, i'm hoping for better things next year thanks to uh thanks to medical science but uh, yeah um i i mm-hmm. well now like you know i've got some some interesting trophies on the wall you know like i said i'm not necessarily because of my uh playing expertise but i'm a member of the interior golf hall of fame because of my contributions and uh, you know previous to that i got a national newspaper award uh when i was working for canadian press for my my reporting so yeah along the years uh picked up a few uh a few things but <clears throat> i don't think you know, as I look back and the people I admire, some of them were great players. <clears throat> Excuse me, and you know, I was I was good friends and uh, with Dan Halderson, uh, and wrote his obit, uh, you know, upon his untimely death. For, uh, I wrote his obit for the Globe and Mail. Um, Danny and I had some terrific and. Um, unrepeatable experiences over the years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, he's a, you know, he was a proud man of Tobin. So, uh, um, but to me, you know, and I knew like, you know, I like go on and on and, and spent some time with Arnold Palmer, um, Nicholas, uh, when I was with the, the uh, Canadian golf foundation and he was the, he was the honorary president. Um, to me, it wasn't necessarily the fact that the people who were the best players stuck out to me. To me, it was the people who were the best people mm. that stuck out to me, um, that would spend time with you and explain the game and, and what it meant to them. And, you know, I've always said, you know, like somebody like uh, like Palmer, um I got to spend a fair bit of time with him, and uh, to me, he was he was always my idol. But uh, he was just a, a really good person, and and I think that's one thing. And I'm not the first to say this, but I think the thing about golf is that it reveals your character more than more than anything else. So you can have all the physical ability, and I'm sure you guys know um, some guys who just strike the ball but were real um, I'm, I'm going to I'll try to do this so I don't get beeped um, we're <laughs> less than nice less than nice people um, mm-hmm. you know so so you know the fact that you guys are doing this podcast um, trying to promote the game 
kudos to you. Um, I think that, uh, that that people who spend time trying to uh, trying to um, to make the game better, to to promote the game, I think that means a lot. Rather than you know guys can go out and shoot, you know. 68 or 69 uh, day after day that's you know to me that's a, that's a one trick pony it's the folks who are trying to promote the game that means a lot Mm, well, uh, thank you. Yeah, perfect. We uh, yes. we haven't we haven't touched sixty eight yet. Uh, we we hopefully will at some point in our uh, career. Maybe uh, well, maybe think... on nine holes. But uh, yeah, we we I mean, we, we figured we, we talk about we talk about golf all the time. We might as well uh, bring uh, other folks into yeah. our world. Uh, so uh, yeah, we we enjoy doing it. We really do. Well, then, uh, I, you know, like... Sorry. No, uh, no journalism or uh, broadcasting awards yet coming our way, so we can't even say that. <laughs> we make our own. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you know, who knows? It's uh, it's uh, one thing that I've I've really noticed is, you know, back when I was when I started to freelance. Uh, Jesus. Um, that would be close to 30 years ago. There was really only two freelance golf journalists in the country, and that was Lauren Rubenstein, who was writing for The Globe, and myself. And that was kind of the golden age of, of golf writing. There, like I said, there was no podcast. There was no internet. Mm-hmm. There, you know, there was, there was uh, I think, Accurate World of Golf was on TV, <laughs> and that might have been about it. Um, and you could actually, you could actually make a a decent listening writing about golf. Um, you know, I wrote for Golf Digest and Golf Magazine, uh, obviously Score, um, but I would write for papers in the states, and magazines in the states, and in Britain. And it was, uh, and and I'm I'm not being critical, but I'm I'm saying that. Uh, now just about anybody with a phone and and a headset can be a golf journalist, right? <laughs> and and, yep. and I have been I have <laughs> I have been interviewed by numerous, um, but it's the people who I think have the 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 betterment of the game at heart rather than the commercial side of things. I know they go hand in hand because you have to make a living and you have to. Uh, you know, pay the bills and, and satisfy the sponsors. But I think it's the people who who have the uh, the best of the game um, as their motivation who will succeed. Um, I just I just see a lot of people out there who are doing it for the byline or you know for the free sticks or you know for the for a golf shirt or a sleeve of balls. Um, who are you know? I don't think they're going to be long for for this world. But you guys sound like you're legit, so I wish you all the best. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, <laughs> we do appreciate well, we do appreciate bribes, though. So uh, if you are we listening do, yeah. and uh, you want to give us a sleeve of balls or some uh, new golf clubs, please send them our well, way. You, <laughs> you, bought, you bought my bucks on suck it up. <laughs> That's right, right. You got. Hopefully, uh, Amazon's giving you a cut of that. Uh, honestly, Mike, Mike buys every every golf thing that he can get his hands on. So, uh. you, know, you know, I will tell you that uh, if that's the first edition, um, yeah. back at that time, five thousand copies 
made you a Canadian bestseller. Wow. And that book sold 25,000 copies. Holy smokes. Wow. Yeah, so it was like, like, why didn't somebody think of this previously? So, <laughs> right. yeah, so there were, there were three subsequent copies, and then I did Great Golf Courses of America, and uh, which, you know, that was the greatest boondoggle because I got to play just about every great golf course you could possibly attach. Oh, wow. From, yeah, from Pebble Beach to uh, Spyglass and uh, Cypress and um, Pine Valley, uh, Wingfoot. Yeah, I mean, all of them. Okay, we, we get uh, it. You, yeah. did, you did all of them. <laughs> we, we got it. Yeah, so, so, so you know what? You guys, you guys just upset that I beat you guys to the punch. So, uh, <laughs> We're learning from yeah. you now. That's why we, we brought exactly. you on. We wanted to learn your secrets. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, somebody, somebody said, and kind of my motto is the uh, old age and treachery always out outbid youth and talent. So uh, yeah, you guys are a little late. <laughs> Good. Well, the, the you know what I was going to say the value of the conversations that we've had with people over the the, the podcast here certainly outweighs what our sponsorships are paying us. And uh, <laughs> hey, they're just happy to support the community as uh, as we are. We uh, you know we we love the community that we're in. We love the golf community, and uh, this is I guess our kind of way of of giving back. And uh, that's yeah, the, the same thing goes. With, the same thing goes with our partners. They're big into golf. They're members of golf courses, and they they support the golf courses uh, as well. Whether it's uh, you know supporting junior programs or um, we mentioned uh, on the last episode, Nick from the Nicky and Nicky group of DQs for helping out the junior clinics that have been going on at Assiniboine Golf Club. And uh, I know the, the folks at uh, the new Winnipeg Dodge, they do something every year that uh, helps out think junior golf in Manitoba. So they're, they're supporting the community. We're a part of the community. They're supporting us. We're supporting them. It's a nice, happy circle. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and God bless them because, uh, you know, all that, you know, like you said, it, it is a circle because, uh, you know, you, uh, you can build, you can build loyal um, clients just from you know through family golf and so forth, and uh, you know the fact that uh, you know whether you're a car dealer or you know a restaurant or whatever, it's uh, it means a lot when when they see your uh, see your logo at the at the golf course. Yeah, no, it is uh, it is very true. And uh, on that note, Mike, do you want to jump into the uh, the back nine lightning round? Okay, well, let's speaking do it. Of, speaking yeah. of car dealerships. <laughs> speaking of car dealerships, the back nine lightning round uh, is for Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park where you can improve your ride and your drive. Wilkie, he's a former Manitoba amateur champ. Uh, he was also a former hockey coach of mine too, but so you can check him out, winnipegdodge.com. They're different. They're different. You're not going to ask me what car I drive. No, no, no. We, we, we don't yet. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> Mike, Mike has a no. different one every week. <laughs> it's, yeah. a 1965, it's a 1965 Volvo. Oh, wow. Oh, beautiful. Oh, you know what? I saw a picture of that thing. That looks, that's like a, that's a classic. Oh, yeah. You're, uh, you're big into that, aren't you? Yeah, that's my, uh, that's my project. I'm, mm. uh, it's an ongoing uh, <laughs> Amazon 123 GT project car so uh, oh my gosh which, which spends about as about two-thirds of the time in the garage <laughs> and a third of that time on the road so <laughs> does it, does it, does it will not be worn out. yeah yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And for our listeners, go look that up. It's an amazing little two-door sedan. Uh, was it you call it an Amazon GT by Volvo? Yeah, yeah, nineteen sixty-five. Oh, beautiful! Don't get me started. We'll need another hour to talk. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a different podcast. Don't worry about it. <laughs> there was a there was a movie they just shot and they used one of these. Um, anyways, we won't get into that. I'll have to look it up. But uh, so yeah, John. A, the light, the back nine lightning round. It's self-explanatory. Uh, there's uh, just a collection of uh, questions here, rapid fire that sometimes take longer than than rapid. But uh, we'll kick it off here. <laughs> okay. So first one: Have you ever got a hole in one? Yeah, two. Two. How old were you when you got your your first one? I was forty-two. Oh. Or two, good, perfect. Do you remember where perfect. it was? Yes, it was on the seventh hole at Midland Golf and Country Club. I hit a nine iron. It was 154 yards. I hit it three feet past the hole and sucked it back into the hole Ooh. on a men's Ooh. night. So the golf course had to pay for all the beer. Perfect. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. And Smart. and the second one. The second one was, was it at uh, St. Andrews or Pebble Beach or any of those? <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was in a qualifier. This is sad. Um, it was in a qualifier for a million dollar hole in one, uh, contest sponsored by our local YMCA. I jugged it oh. and I gave two cracks at, uh, at the million dollar deal. So I was out there every day, the next four days. Aiming for the <laughs> aiming for the the target green. When the day came, I hit my two balls and never came close to the green. So, <laughs> oh <that> no, was... <laughs> oh man, oh, no. that would have been that's, something. Yeah, that's golf. <laughs> <laughs> so, my, my kids uh, were there. They were they were very disappointed in their father. I can tell you that. Not for the first time or the last time. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of disappointment, what would be your uh, preferred what would be your preferred golf ball brand or model? Uh, Titleist Pro V1. Titleist Pro V1. Certainly uh, the, the most popular mm-hmm. answer that we get and and uh, the most popular answer yeah. on tour, I'm sure. Yeah, I do uh, <clears throat> I do uh, I'm the editor for mygolfspy.com, which is I think the most reputable. Oh, don't get Mike started. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have yeah. said that. Yeah. Well, I saw <laughs> the, the test. I saw the test that you guys did recently. I didn't do it. I just edited it. So, uh, um, but that's, the, that's their, uh, that's their test ball. So, uh, I thought that was kind of a, that was an endorsement of my choice. Very neat. Very neat. Yeah, no, that, they, they, uh, they certainly got some, some great, uh, content that they're pushing out, uh, you know, as far as best equipment and, and those types of, uh, articles. So keep that and, up. And very, very well edited. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't see any misplaced, uh, commas in, in that no. article. No Oxford oh. commas in that one. <laughs> Um, so, uh, not that this is the next question, but I, as you mentioned, uh, it's fair to assume that you've played golf all across Canada, all across North America, the world. Yep. Um, so this is a question that we ask our, our Prairie 
golfer. So, you know, it, it might be tough for you to answer, but I was going to say, uh, what is your most favorite course to play in Manitoba? <laughs> well, or, or like have I said, you only played one? <laughs> no, 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 I've, I've played more than one. <laughs> uh, I probably took enough strokes to have qualified as two or three rounds at uh, St. Charles, but, uh, but I, I love that golf course. Like I said, it's kind of my style of golf course. Um, when I was out there, I, I played there for the book previously. I played several courses, but like my memory, I, like it's just, I'm trying to think which ones I played. I know, like I said, my friend Tim Campbell, uh, who was the golf writer for the Winnipeg Free Press, um, I, we might have played Breezy Bend, um, but I always wanted to go north because I know Halderson was up. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I wish I could remember the name of the resort he was Hecla. at. Probably would have been Hecla. Yeah, it could have been. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to go up that way because that's kind of geographically, topographically, it's it's kind of where I live in Ontario. Mm-hmm. So I just I I love that style of golf course. So I would have I would have enjoyed to, you know getting up there but uh, but certainly i know that you know that's like uh the st charles of course everybody's going to pick that one but uh, but you know why not uh, yeah. why not go for that absolutely and uh let's, speaking i guess i could get into ontario but let's 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 open this up to all of canada do you have a favorite course to play in all of canada or most memorable you can give us a top three if you'd like, but well, uh, well, um, I'll tell you a quick story about playing golf at Cape Breton in 1999 when I was out. Uh, when I was out, like I said, uh, I had already seen Highlands Links and identified it as you know ten years earlier as one of the best golf courses in the country, in my opinion. Um, we were on a bit of a tour through the island and. Uh, and they took us down to a little former coal mining village called um, Inverness, and mm. there were tailings from the from the coal mines and so forth on this on this piece of and it was true lynx land, so it actually linked the the water to the village. And uh, the locals had been playing golf there. They would take like a bush cat out, and, you know, kind of clear semi fairways and stick some, you know, holes in the ground and so forth. And they'd go out there and knock the ball around. And we looked, they said, you know, this is, uh, we've been trying to get somebody to build a golf course here. We've had the Nicholas group look at the property and they showed me the routing. We had Graham Cook look at the property and they showed me the routing. And nobody really wants to do anything with it. Well, some years later, that turned into Cabot Lakes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I go there now, that's, that's in the back of my mind. And I wrote a piece for it for the National Post when I was, uh, when I was their golf columnist. And I said, is, is golf the future of Cape Breton? And, you know, I, sh- I, sh- I should have bought property there when I was <laughs> thinking that. You know, some of those houses on the golf course at the time, or, or what is now the golf course property, were going for like, you know, 
nine thousand dollars, and now they're going for you know nine hundred thousand dollars. So, another another shrewd financial decision by Mister Gordon. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean to me that uh, that destination, you know, you look uh, you look off uh, off Cabot Links, and you know if you're if you're playing Turnberry and Scotland, you look out Nelson Craig is out there where all these. You know, many of the the uh, much of the granite for curling stones is is mined out there. Um, there's a little island out there that looks exactly like Elsa Craig. Um, you know, so you go down five kilometers down the road, and and there's Cabot Cliffs, which is breathtaking. And uh, you know, a couple hours up the highway is is Highlands Links. And you know, say what you want, and I'm not I'm not demeaning. Prince Edward Island by any means or, or Vancouver Island or, you know, any other destination. But for my money, Cape Breton Island is the, is the place to play golf in, in Canada. And Cabot Lynx is as close as you will get to true Lynx golf in this country. And uh, very few in the United States that are really in the Western Hemisphere that, uh, that you can get any closer to true Lynx golf. Mm. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll I'll we'll have to get out there soon. Yeah. Jr. lived out there I for did. a few years, and for did some reason go. he didn't play out there. <laughs> Where'd you live? I lived in Halifax for two and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's some big golf courses there too. I mean, uh, you know, Ashburn, you know, new and old. Um, Glen Arbor is another great. Yeah, golf I played Glen Arbor uh, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and now you're in Manitoba. That's right. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> Mac here. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> well, I know it's possible now. That's the thing. I know. I know. I can pick up and move. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So I don't know. Winnipeg Cliff doesn't have the same rank. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just do a golf course on Garbage Hill, and there we go. That, that's the largest hill that yeah. we got in the city here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, John John Bloomberg is the closest to the Lynx style right. golf course we got here, which is a municipal course. But mm-hmm. uh, just just kidding. But uh, or Southwood Southwood could yes. be considered yeah. a, a yep. Lynx yep. course. But Lynx style. Anyways, so John. Is there any courses in Canada that you haven't played that you'd love to get to? <laughs> like, it sounds like you've played every course. It's a silly question, but typically, you know, our guests, typically our guests haven't played every single course in the world. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm scratching my head here. Um, no, I've been blessed because like I said, back in the kind of the golden years of golf journalism, um, we got we we got to travel just about everywhere, courtesy of the uh, <clears throat> the tourist boards and the and the airlines and so forth. So, yeah, um, I would love to play in New Zealand. I have not played there, and mm. um, there's some there's some great new golf courses down there. I have not played in the you know the sand courses in uh, in Australia, um, but other than that. It's, uh, well, I mean, granted, I've been doing this longer than you guys have been alive. So, um, yeah, yep. it's, uh, you know, um, I did not know Stanley Thompson personally, but, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's just about that, that era. So, 
like mm-hmm. I said, the the, uh, the 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 books allowed me to to travel um, from literally one coast to the other, from Vancouver Island to uh, to Newfoundland, and uh, I I have done presentations to golf writers and tourist agencies in the states and talk to them about the quality of golf in Canada. Um, and that's, that's coast to coast. I mean, I'm not excluding Manitoba. And I, like I said, those, that, that country song flyover states, that, uh, to me, that's a, that's an insult because you get great golf courses in, uh, in Manitoba, Saskatchewan. And, uh, and I've played in all those provinces, including, uh, you know, the Southern part of, well, just about everywhere in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people who say, you know, geez, I wish I could play here, there, or somewhere else in, in, in the world, you know, God bless them. But, man, you have so many opportunities in this country. Um, you know, if you're in, in Winnipeg and you want to play true links golf, fly to Cape Breton Island. If you want to play some of the best parkland golf courses in the, in the world, fly to Fly to Ontario. Uh, you want to play alpine golf? Go to go to mm-hmm. the foothills, or uh, you know, in, in Alberta or uh, Kananaskis. Or you want to uh, you know play something that's uh, kind of a, a semi-arid de- desert uh, golf? Go to Cologne or Kamloops. Yeah. You got it all here mm-hmm. north of the border. To me, it's kind of that. Uh, you know, it's kind of that. Or- uh, or if you're in Winnipeg, golf in Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <there's> Absolutely. <laughs> it's a joke. You know, I, I imagine. I think, I think that's, that's never been truer than these days. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I've probably played more golf local, like within a um, hundred kilometer radius of my house that I have this year because mm-hmm. you know you it don't go anywhere that's right yeah. <laughs> so I got the experience of golf courses that uh, oh you know I, I can't be bothered playing there so you go there and you go right. man this was a lot of fun you know the people yeah. were great hospitality was great as I said earlier the, the value proposition was uh, was terrific we walked off the golf course and said you know that was an excellent burger. You know the the beer was cold and it wasn't exorbitantly priced. And you know we yeah. got a we got golf and a cart for you know pick a number fifty nine dollars. Um, mm-hmm. And and just had a great time. The, the conditions were terrific. Was that you know was it Pebble Beach? No, but it wasn't. It wasn't eight hundred dollars to play there either. Yeah. So you didn't have to take right. a second mortgage. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. John, that, John, this uh, this really leads well into my next question that you're going to sh- shoot down because it's what is the most <laughs> memorable course you've ever played, and uh, I, I don't think you have. There's no answer to that. Uh, I'm sure. Um, you know what? There's uh, there's a couple of answers there. One is objective, and one is subjective. Um. Royal County down in Northern Ireland is the most memorable golf course I ever played. Mm. Um, to me, it was just, it was breathtaking from start to finish. I, I 
was shaking when I stood on the first tee, and I kind of, well, I didn't kind of, I just sliced it to the right. And my <laughs> caddy said, I think, that, I think that might be in the water hazard. So we go walking up. Well, it was because it was 100 feet down to the Irish Sea. So I think my, my near... <laughs> My nearest point of relief was England or something. I don't. Um, the, my, the other most memorable course I played was probably the one, and I think back to, again to my late father-in-law who introduced me to the game and playing with him. And I think um, it's a little golf. It's a little cottage golf course. 10 kilometers down the road from our house called Bomb Beachway. Um, and just playing there, I got to play with him. I got to play with his wife, my mother-in-law. Um, I got to play with my wife, with our son, with our daughters. And to me, that that was one of the most memorable golf experiences. To me, family golf is, is the way, you know, is really the foundation of the game. And like I said, you can play Pebble Beach or Royal County Down or Augusta, <clears throat> but when you um, but when you get to you know to walk off the golf course and sit down and have dinner or a beverage with uh, with people whose company you enjoy, that that to me is the nature of the game. Mm, amen. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Unless you're playing Augusta, then I'll play with whoever. So, <laughs> oh, you know that, what? Okay, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Tim Campbell still lives in Winnipeg, and I hope he's listening to this because I, I, I love him, but I hate him. So, <laughs> so we're shout out we're to Tim. at Augusta, and, and at Augusta uh, at the Masters, they they do a, a, a media draw. Right. Yeah. Right, so you get to tee it up. You play from the members' tees. You don't play from the tournament tees um, on the Monday. So Campbell gets drawn and plays. Mm-hmm. Wow! So once you, yeah, I know, I hate him. So <laughs> so once you played, your name comes out of the draw for three years. So three years later, we're back at Augusta. Doesn't he get his name drawn again? Yeah. So we go out for dinner that night at some restaurant in Augusta, and I said, "You better have somebody taste your food, because I'm going to poison you, bastard." <laughs> I never, my name never got pulled. <laughs> he got oh, pulled yeah. like the two, the, the two times he was eligible. For yeah, so, that's uh, wild. Anyhow, great guy. Um, yeah, I don't know if he's still living, still living in uh, in Winnipeg, but like I said, I. I hope he is, and I hope he hears this, and uh, I, I am sending a letter bomb to him. Yeah, we, we have we have ways of getting it to him. <laughs> okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah, look after that. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, maybe there's still time for you to play Augusta. Are you are you still going? Are you still visiting? As a no, no, I have not. I haven't covered a mass. I mean, that, that, that's the other blessing, right? I mean, you're doing it on somebody else's ticket, but, uh, you know, cover the yeah. majors. And I think the last one I covered would have been 2008, maybe. The first one was, <laughs> this is dating me, uh, Sandy Lyle won it in uh, 87, 86, 87. Wow. So, 
yeah, I've got a, I've got a few uh, little mementos. I wish I had saved all the, uh, all the, you know, the media credentials and so forth. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a nice tour to, uh, you know, as I said, uh, one of my favorite lines is from Walter Hagen, who, uh, you know, the famous old prime golfer. And he said, uh, he said, I don't necessarily want to be a millionaire, but I love living like one. And uh, that, that to me kind of sums up the, uh, the, the nature of being a golf writer back in the day because, man, I got to see some great spots. Wow, yeah, no, sounds wow. like it. Amazing. We'll have to do a whole part two episode just on Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, yeah. We'll and, move. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. When that uh, when that pine straw gets uh, gets wet, it does smell like uh, like manure. So uh, there you go. Oh. You don't uh, you don't you don't hear that on TV. No, you like sure Gary, don't. No, like Gary McCord to get booted off the broadcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never invited back. Yeah. No, but, those, uh, those greens those greens are like their bikini wax, and that was that. Uh, you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Sorry, Gary. Well, one day, one day we'll have to get out to Augusta. Maybe we'll, they'll give us media passes for uh, maybe an upcoming Masters event. Yeah, that's worked out well for us so far. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Manitoba, what's that? But um, we'll move on. We'll move on here. Uh, well, Tim Campbell got there. so uh, That's true. Know, that's true. Yeah, that's twice. That's right. Yeah. The precedent has been set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John, uh, next one here. What is your career low round? My career low round is 74. Nice. nice. Yeah. And was that at Midland? It was. And uh, it was in a, it was in a match play event. And I went, I was three under after five holes. And then I started to coast it. <laughs> nice. Like, yeah, that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> and you won the match. Oh yeah, I, like I devastated the guy because he was. Uh, I think uh, I think he had to give me two aside. I think. Oh. So like he, I nice. smoked him right out of the gate, and he's like, "Okay, I'm." We were close to the highway. I thought he was going to call a cab. <laughs> <laughs> good yeah um so this is number eight here this is kind of our wild card question and i wasn't sure what to peg on you and we kind of touched on it earlier but uh in your opinion how can we grow golf as a sport you know attracting the necessary following to keep it thriving into the future you know you mentioned you know growing the junior uh, growing the women's game and what, in your opinion, if you're the president of the golf world and you had the power to make people do whatever, you know, what, give us a Coles notes on, on what your ideology there is. Well, I said it, I've been saying it for 35 years. It's affordability and accessibility. And I think that, um, finally, the governing bodies have come together in these, you know, it's called the Allied Associations of Golf, or We Are Golf, I guess is the, uh, mm-hmm. the current term. Mm-hmm. 
and I do they, do they meet? Uh, do they meet in a bunker somewhere in <laughs> Toronto? <laughs> <That's> right, <yeah. laughs> well, they, no, I don't. They, well, perhaps. Um, I think. I think that the industry has to think of itself as a cohesive industry rather than, you know, it's my golf course. We're trying to steal green fees or members from your golf course. I think they have to think of themselves as. Um, as trying to generate growth globally rather than regionally or locally. And, you know, I, I've, I've been a presenter at, uh, <clears throat> at numerous National Golf Course Owners Association conference. And, and I see that there's the same people showing up. They're just, and, you know, mom and pop operations, they're, they're struggling to keep their, you know, their head above the water. And I think that uh, you just have to, rather than, than um, operate independently, you have to see yourself as part of a, of an overall cohesive uh, industry that, that needs cooperation from everyone to the programs are there. This is what, this is what irritates me. The programs are there. All you have to do is take advantage of them. So there's programs for women um, introducing to golf. All you have to do is sign up for it. There's there's um, what's called Future Links. I don't know what it's called now. Those programs are free. You know, I mean, you can mm-hmm. sponsor. You can sponsor. My wife and I sponsored five schools in our area um, for basically peanuts to get the kids uh-huh. involved. Um, you know, send your your pro or your teaching pro up to the school, offer your, your, uh, your services to get the kids involved. The programs are all there. Yet, like you said, it's the, you know, it's the, we're going to strangle that goose that's laying the golden egg right now. Um, and that's unfortunate because it will, uh, it, it's going to come back and I was going to say bite them in the behind. So, um, it, it will happen. It will happen again. It's happened in the past. And we have an opportunity, an unparalleled opportunity, as a bittersweet um, um, byproduct of, of the pandemic to to really grow the game. To The participation rate may never be as high as it has been because, like I said, there, you know, uh, there were no, or very few other uh, recreational options. But you can give people, you can set the hook. So, you know, maybe they they play now as 13-year-olds and then they go off to college and they, you know, they're too busy and then they start a family. But then they'll come back to it and they'll bring their kids to it. So um, it's an opportunity for people who have their eyes open and can take advantage of, uh, you know, of the opportunity to uh, to grow the game. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a great answer, and and hopefully uh, these courses take advantage of those programs. And, and yeah, uh, well, that's that's up. To, I mean, that's up to guys like you. I mean, yeah. you know, you you have you have the um, the forum to say, you know, we're going to talk to uh, somebody from Gulf Manitoba and talk to them about introduce or. What programs do you offer to get uh, to get people involved? You know, different demographics involved, um, and how do you do it? And reach out to golf courses. And you know, to me, 
I'm not telling you how to do your job, but uh, but to me, that's part of the mandate of being a golf journalist is, uh, you know, you mm-hmm. promote the game, you you, you know, you uh, you provide people the uh, the wherewithal to, uh, you know, continue to promote it and, and grow it. Yeah. Well, you know, no offense, Sean. I think we know how to run our show. So, uh, <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> I had a, I had an editor when I was the uh, when I was the golf columnist at National Post, and he said, "If you don't piss off a hundred thousand people a day, you're not doing your job." So I'm trying to his expectations. So Perfect. I'll add you two to the list. Well, so that's one hundred thousand yeah. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to make another one of your lists. Yeah. Score, <laughs> yes. Score golf's been pissing off Manitoba for the last decade. I so uh, I will not lose any sleep over that comment. By the way. <laughs> Very good. Oh, and that's that's what we're trying to do is grow the game. We love the game, mm-hmm. and uh, we've talked to people from all aspects. Uh, uh, so you'll have to listen to all, all the episodes if you have any spare time while you're recouping your knees. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking but, forward uh, to that. <laughs> our uh the ninth question finally here on our flagship this is a lightning uh, round yes Wait i know a yeah, a oh, lightning yeah. Round? yeah we need an editor <laughs> i know the sun's coming up here in ontario <laughs> <laughs> the last one here what is your favorite condiment <laughs> so what it <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow you really spelled out every syllable in that one didn't you yeah um yeah oh yeah the, my favorite condiment and i will i made some homemade chili hot chili relish yeah chili peppers i grow in my garden that will blow wow. the top of your so um, hot sauce. Hot sauce. I I used to have a cupboard full of hot sauce, so that I collected mm, from around the. Yeah, there's been a couple um, uh, hot heads that have been on here. I enjoy I enjoy the spice, so I'm with you on yeah, that. Yeah, and I made uh, I made uh, hot pepper jelly the other day for my Ooh, my friends Jesus. and family. So, yeah, that's amazing. So, uh, well, that's a great yeah, answer. Nobody's. Nobody's nobody's mentioned a homemade yeah. condiment, and you come at oh. us with a homemade hot relish and a homemade hot jelly. That's great. I know. Well, when you're retired, you got all that time, and what are you going to do, right? So, <laughs> I will tell you. I will tell you when you make that hot pepper relish, wash your hands before you go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. You can right. ship a I, I actually, ship a few jars our way. I put it on the label of the relic. <laughs> Perfect. Well, yeah, you can ship them, ship two jars our way, and we can uh, have a taste test. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll share them with uh, the fine folks at the New Winnipeg Dodge in the uh, Point West Auto Park, as that was the back nine lightning round, and uh, they are a wonderful partner of our show here at eighteen over par, uh, as well the Nick and Nikki group of DQs. Maybe they can slap them on some of those cheeseburgers, Mike, that you've been down. Yeah, on. the DQ cheeseburgers, or maybe put it in a blizzard. <laughs> John, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite blizzard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the hot pepper jelly blizzard. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> coming soon to a Nick and Nicky group of a DQ store near you. There you go. <laughs> another short, another short-lived franchise. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. That'll make more money than any house that Cabot Lynx would make. <laughs> All right. Well, John, uh, this was fantastic. Thanks for uh, sticking around with us and uh, giving your insights on the game. Uh, it's uh, it's been wonderful, and uh, yeah, there's a bunch of points that we can uh, take from this, and hopefully uh, continue on in our in our golf journey. And uh, the folks that listen uh, to to get out there and have some fun and just enjoy the game. So we appreciate the time as always. And uh, whereabouts can we uh, track you down? I, I think you you're on just about uh, every social media platform. Uh, Twitter's a big one for you. Yeah, yeah, mainly Twitter at Gordon Golf, um, and uh, yeah, um, well. Best of luck, guys. I, uh, you know, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, I think, you know, it used to be back in the day that there were regional golf magazines, and I'm glad to see that there's regional podcasts and so forth mm-hmm. going forward to, uh, you know, to encourage people to uh, to listen about the game, learn about the golf courses, and and so forth. Good job. Thank you. We appreciate it, and uh, have you. yourself a wonderful night. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. Good night. Okay. So long. Cheers. Yeah, goodbye. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. You're late for your tea time, as per usual. It's 12.12, but you wouldn't know. The clock in your piece-of-shit ride just blinks eights at you. It's embarrassing. You find the parking stall the farthest away from the clubhouse. It can't be seen in your shitbox. You know you're going to play awful because you feel awful. Your car doesn't match that swagger buried deep down inside. That golfing champion waiting to be unleashed. Ding. Your bumper hits the concrete as you accidentally sit on it while putting on your golf shoes. You smile, because tomorrow you're going to see Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. The front doors will open like the Azalea Line gates at Augusta. You'll ask for the best-looking guy there. You'll find the former amateur champ, Jamie Wilkie, staring back at you. You hand over your money. Your new ride glistens as it pulls out of the dealership. Then Jamie approaches and whispers in your ear, Son, next week, I'm taking you golfing at Breezy Bend. I'll show you a thing or two. You smile again, as now your golf game will look and feel as good as your new ride. Improve your ride and your drive with Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. WinnipegDodge.com JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pole Park in, food, in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats.